Slough Egg Radio, Season 1, Episode 14. The soundtrack from the movie Logan's Run. Logan. That was The song's name is called The Flame Out. All right. The Flame Out? The Flame Out. Ooh. That sounds, <laughs> that kind of sounds like one of our songs. <laughs> flame That's, Out, But it right? sounds like it's about, like, you decide to put on flamboyant clothes and dress like a girl. Like the, like the kind of shit that we'll do. Traveling through uh, Nebraska, Nebraska. You know that's what we always, yeah, that always comes up. Uh, Council Bluffs, Nebraska, where I got that bejeweled. You had a flame flaming, out. Flame, I had a flame out. Yeah, you had yeah. a flame out. Well, you remember I, I, what a flame out it was. And Indeed back then, I always was. noticed that, like, I wasn't. I don't think you. Some people, I, there'd always be disagreement about what I should wear. Like about like like you sometimes would say, oh no, that's a little too flamboyant, or maybe I don't know, maybe Angelo or something. But then Harry would always back me up and go. No, 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 no. That's not too crazy. That's great. Put that on. Like, but then again, Harry kind of overdoes the 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 you know the the fashion thing sometimes. So I don't know if you know maybe I don't know who's. I was thinking uh, about calling Harry the other day because to get um, him on here. The what? We should have Cantwell on we, here. We should have him on. We here. should. That'd be a very good idea. I was. Uh, he's, he's he's got a lot of good records. Oh yeah, too. we should. I never thought of that till right now. Let's get let's get Harry on let's here. Get Harry on here. Yeah. But uh, I was thinking of him the other day because I found a, a bunch of old posters in my garage. And I was like, are like old rock posters worth anything? I have oh, no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. You should, you should know. Yeah. I got this, I got this awesome the, old poster of Lita the Ford vintage from guru, like the 80s, yeah. you know. And it looks really awesome. But then I looked it up online. It's only like 25 bucks. And I'm like, uh, you know, I might as well just give it away. Oh, wait. Is it a, is it a uh, just a poster poster? It's not like a, like, a, like a tapestry or something? No, it's just a poster. Well, 25 bucks is 25 bucks. Well, if you don't need it. You know, you know, well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I got to take pictures of it. I got to oh, post yeah, it online. Kind of I got to wait for somebody to sell it. And they yeah, that's questions. kind of a pain for I got to take bucks. it to the post office. Well, hell, you're doing these damn machines up here for <laughs> 10 bucks a month or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but that provides a good service. <laughs> okay, you know, okay. Everybody gets to, to just so it. everyone knows what I'm talking about, um, <laughs> Adrian has taken over the... Uh, Vending machines in the building we're in right now, in his entrepreneurial way. In three buildings. And hopefully, that's not giving away too much of your uh, tax, uh, <laughs> your tax uh, information. Um, no, it does. Online. It does give a write-off. It's, Everyone it's a can can now uh, Facebook and everything else, maybe including this, can be used against you in court. Now, did you know that? Yeah. I'm going to write yeah. off um, yeah. a portion of my apartment because now that I'm working from home. Oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good uh, yeah. Idea. I took out the bed in the in the guest room. Oh, no, took out took out the bed, put Why? it in the garage. So, because like uh, I bought a desk. Oh, okay. No, I, I thought you meant we turned it into a proper office. You don't have to take out the bed to make it to, to get a tax write off, though. Do you? Um, probably no, not, not at all. But not we at all. Did. Not, yeah, yeah, so that's now, cool. That's so cool. now she has a desk. I have a desk. You can't Airbnb it. A printer. We have everything. You know, now we have a proper home office so that we that's can good. work through the pandemic. Because well, you have to work, and it, yeah, but but I mean, is there such a thing as a uh, Airbnb day work? Thing. Probably not. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, people are doing it in hotels up north. That yeah. we work. Oh yeah, that's what, that yeah, was. That's what you should be doing. Yeah. Uh, if you want some weirdo in your house working all day, people probably no, nah, nah, screw no, that. Yeah, no. No, Especially no. since you're there all yeah, day. Exactly. Yeah. I'm staying home. All I can't. Time. I cannot do that. There is no <laughs> way. If I was like whatever, you know, worked in any like office capacity, um, I would fail. I would get fired or quit or something. Right? I would die. I would die because. Die. No, you die the whole <laughs> eight hours in front of a computer at home. I, I'm telling you, I would not survive because I did three brutal, today, yeah. three putting together a lesson plan thing, which is bad enough, right? And that's ba that's bad. I, I was insane after three hours of sitting in front of the computer. Now I, I don't think I don't sit in front of my computer for hours of time watching things or doing things, but when you're actually working and you have to be doing these 
tedious, like I was on this yeah, teaching software. It was, oh my God, after three hours, I was like ready to pull my eyes out. I had to go outside. I mean, obviously you take breaks outside, but yeah. you know, but I, if I had to do it for five more, no. I'm telling you, man, I wouldn't make it. I just like, I'd start breaking things. I could. I took a break I, today. I went to, where I rode my bike to the Castro and I was going to buy a new symbol. Did you flame one out? Of my is one of my symbols <laughs> is broken. Were you flaming out or something? I was flaming out in Castro. Out. And this guy uh, was trying to sell me a symbol. It was a nice symbol. And I said, oh, you know, you know, 150 bucks, it's a good deal. And then yeah. I, uh, the way I learned many years ago to see if there's any cracks in the symbol, you lift it up to the sun. Oh, yeah. And if there's any light that comes through anywhere, anywhere, there's a hairline crack. And so, so the guy was like, oh, man, it's in great shape. It's in great shape. You know, just give me your money. Give me your money. And I'm like, hey, hang on. I'm like, let's see here. And I was looking. I'm like, it looks okay. And I looked up to the sun. I saw a hairline crack almost, yeah. almost halfway around. And I was like, nope. Well, who's no, this guy? Thanks. Wait, who? Where? Some oh. Craigslist dude. Oh, just some dude who's like, give me your money, give me your money. Oh, yeah, that's a good sign right there. It's yeah, I was over, <laughs> over off of like Sanchez. Take the money and, and run. Sanchez and like 20th or something. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. so I had to go up a hill. Yeah, well, that's like what happens guy, when you're a bargain house. shopper, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I go through the shopper. same thing, man. I just bought a refurbished uh, Chromebook. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, you got 100 bucks out, you know, refurbished computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all the kids now have to get. Chromebook. They don't have to get Chromebooks, but they're cheaper, and you can just go on. They don't need to anything That's else. That's like the total school supply now. Yeah, no. So there's they're, no. They're running out, but there's more supplies coming in now, and people are selling them back a, after. Oh. Well, you know, people they use them for a semester or for a school year, whatever, you know, and they get rid of them. And so there's tons of them floating around the internet, but a refurbished one is not used. It's I mean, it's technically used, but the company takes it back, and then redoes all the hardware. And then just so it might be scratched on the front, but who cares? You know yeah. what I mean? Like and it, it has be, a webcam. It has everything, and it's, it's got a sweet. year warranty. But it's like hundred to two hundred bucks less than nice. what you you know. It's like hundred twenty bucks. You got like a Dell, you know, Chromebook. Chromebooks are weird, but they're nice and small, and you can. They're just good emergency. Dude, let's. You know, um, we, sh we should do bring the Chromebook a, uh, down here and do it. We should do a a, a band Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then film it and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll like put some put some music behind it and stuff. That'll be that'll be very um, <laughs> probably what everybody else is doing, but that's yeah, okay. Very twenty first century rock. Yeah, it is definitely twenty yeah. first century pandemic. But uh, so is, uh, okay, so we're gonna play twenty first century plague. Twentieth century plague. We're gonna play. Uh, plague. We're gonna play the lamp of Thoth. Oh yeah, yeah. the lamp lamp of Thoth. This is off of the Hail Brit Hail Britannia two series put out by Miskatonic Records. But we were um, on the first one, right? Oh, yeah, no. we, yeah, we were on the first one. Wait, the first series or the first one? We were on the very first one. I guess so. It was, it was Twisted Tower Dyer and us, yeah. and we did Heavy Metal Rules by, um, oh, for God's Nighttime sake. Nighttime Flyer. I don't remember. Okay, all right, Nighttime Flyer. Nighttime Flyer. <laughs> I didn't smoke it all the way. Um, but yeah, this is a 7-inch. This is a limited edition of 300. It's a so Lamp of Thoth. Um, Lamp of Thoth. We played with them in uh, Norway. Ah, yeah, Norway. they played it. They played it the first knocked it, not knocked us. That was in Canada. Um, no, the, what is that thing called? That was Metal Merchant or something like that. Uh, Back when we went to, what, what did I just say? Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time we went to Norway, South of Heaven. I think that might have been the South no, of Heaven show. It was called South of Heaven. I think it was called South of Heaven. I thought it was called Metal Merchants. That was the second time we went to Norway. Wasn't it the same? No, the it was different people. What? Wait, Metal Merchants. Where was? No wait, the the second time we played with um, with Corner. Corner in that youth place or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was called Metal Merchants. I think that was called. Oh, I Metal think the Merchants. first one is Metal Merchants. 
Mm. I don't know. Whatever. We'll find yeah. it. This one we found. We 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 discovered the Oslo Soul Experience or whatever. It was the time when we went yeah. when it was winter. Yeah, it was right? brutal. It was, it was brutal. like January. It was absolutely in brutal. Oslo. It was yeah. Dumping snow. Yeah, it was an eighteen-hour flight, and then it was like we were there for eighteen hours, maybe, and then it was like an eighteen-hour flight back. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. But anyway, Lampathoth played that show, and they also played with us in England, Miskatonic uh, Festival or whatever. And that's Andy from oh, that was up in Sol- who's in Solstice it? now. That was his band. His band, Misk- uh, Lampathoth, and they were really good. I thought they were. They good, were yeah. really good. They were. They were like one of those rare, rare doom bands. Who can actually write songs? <laughs> who can, you know, they like, they didn't just go, you know, they actually wrote <laughs> songs. And there's a kind of some singing and kind of some, you know, melody, and it was, it was actually fun to watch. And, yeah. It even says here on the back of this seven inch, it says, uh, special thanks to Slaufeg and really? Iron Sword for Iron appearing Sword. on Hail Britannia Volume One. Oh, it was Iron Sword, not Twisted Tower Dire. Yeah. Do we ever do a TTD seven inch? We, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we split one with them that was put out by Miskatonic as well. Yeah, uh, they, yes. Which one? I, well, I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember the name of the song. Was I? Yeah, no, no, they did one that Scott Waldrop did the the art for it, and there was like this giant fluffy beast on one was side. Was it the are Fast Taker Seven Inch? I think you are. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was you're the, on it, right? No, I'm not on the Fast you're Taker not on Seven it? Inch. No, no, that was who the hell played bass on that. What? Oh, Scott did. Oh, no, that was way back before you were. Yeah, it was Twilight of the Idols. Yeah. Ah, okay. That was that era. It was Scott. And okay, you're right. You wouldn't have remembered. That was, uh, yeah, we were on that thing. I found Scott's. It was a picture, um, picture disc. I found Scott's um, CD that he gave me when he, with him playing the bagpipes. bagpipes. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I found, I was cleaning out my garage in. the other day. It's cool. I know. I was, we should bring it in. It's yeah. Scotty Beach it's on that. We could get him on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the smartphone, on the horn for sure. Yeah, get, get him on the, get, get, get him on the internet. We also smartphone. getting ex Slaufeg members in here for sure. That would good, be these cool. Are, these are Phelps, these get are Phelpsy. Phelpsy's about to put out a record. Did you Did you get a hold of him at all? Oh, I've talked to him a bunch, but they, we just there's so much to t- we never got around to talking yeah, about this. Yeah, I, nobody ever talks about me. Oh, about you? It wasn't about. <laughs> is this about you? Is this all about you? Is it's that what's going about on? Me. You're the You're the John Oates of this <laughs> of this podcast. No. Oh, you're gonna get into that. Speaking of John Oates, Speaking we just have to say we both done some research on John Oates. Who is the guy who said? Oh no, we we asked our our listeners to to. Uh, find out what ethnicity John Oates is, which isn't very hard. All you do is go on Wikipedia, man. Right, right. That's what I do. So we did, and it turns out like that guy thought, like Marino thought, right? Spencer. He's Italian, right? You know, he's half Italian. Half but then Italian. he's like a quarter Moroccan or something, was Yeah, it? his his dad was from England, and his mom was yeah. from Morocco. And Oates is his, an English name, obviously. Yeah, yeah. but his dad's... His mom no, or not, dad was Moroccan, yeah. Yeah, his dad's mom. Mom, of course. Yeah, so his, his grandmother yeah, yeah. was Moroccan. Yeah, so he's a quarter Moroccan, something like that, a quarter English, I guess, or, you know, approximately, and then half Italian. And then half Italian. But, I mean, that makes sense, because he looks Puerto Rican. I mean, he really does, uh, in a way. But then you look at his eyes, and you're kind of like, wait, this guy's a mutt. You don't know what's going on. He's know? aged pretty well. Oh, he's aged great. Well, yeah. he's got, you know, he's Hollywood. You know, he's, he's not Hollywood, but he's got, you can't really tell famous people. Like, he's got all the... Stuff you know his hair is all do phony. Stuff to him when he oh, his hair is not yeah. real, he's, and his face. You know, he's he got look, promo photos. With yeah, you, gotta, you yeah, know, yeah. but I mean, he looks pretty good. I <laughs> all right, so John Oates and the Lamp of Thought. This yeah, is, yeah, John um, Oates and the Lamp of Thought. This is called. Um, this is called bedtime. We, we have to get John Oates on this program this for sure. This is from the Miskatonic Seven Inch R E H number zero zero eight.
That was D. That was intense. It was D. Boone in the Minutemen, dude. Okay, so some of you may recognize that song, but God knows I didn't when I was sixteen or seventeen or whatever I was when I bought that. Uh, the Blasting Concept album, the SST Records uh, compilation. I, that might be the first one, actually. I can't really remember. Um, is that Blasting Concept number one? This is uh, number two, volume number two. two. Okay. Blasting Concept but volume two. I remember these. You listen, right? you do? 1986. Yeah, yeah. So I was 16, yeah. But that was Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen. Done by the Minutemen. It, that, I think that's my favorite cover of anything ever. <laughs> it's just so great. And first of all, I'm not a fan of that song, Ain't Talking About Love. I love Van Halen. I like their first album, but I don't like that song very much. Never have. When it comes on, I'm just kind of like, oh, God, we got to get through this now. I can't say I listen to any of that stuff anymore. I don't listen to it because I've heard it too much on the bone yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I have all those records, but I don't really like... I don't put on Van Halen 2 and like rock no, out. No, I Van Halen 2, no. I'm not going to. No, definitely but not. I've heard, because he, I mean, it's been on in the last, even the last 20 years, been all over the damn classic rock radio too much. You can't listen to Running with the Devil. I can't ever, I mean, right. great song, but I can't listen to it again. Same with Ain't Talking About Love, but I never liked Ain't Talking About Love. But that cover version is so awesome. A lot of cool stuff on there, too. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff on here. This is um, <clears throat> DC3. It's got, it's got uh, Saccharin Trust. On here, Meat Puppets, Husker Du. Yeah, there's all um, sorts of... St. Vitus on yeah, here. Yeah, we'll look behind you. We played that oh, on here, I think. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, DC3, Black Flag, DC3 is awesome. Overkill. This is cool, man. It is. 1986, Various Artists, The yeah, Blasting Yeah, DC3 does that a mountain two. song, Tales from an Imaginary uh, Western or something, or theme to an imaginary Western, which is great. So, uh, and then before that, of course, Lamp of Thoth, which is one of our... Like what do we call it? Sister bands or something from the past? Uh, Brothers in metal. Well, I do. Con- yeah, or whatever. <laughs> Sister, f- sisters in metal. Flame up or flame. Up. What did you? What do you? Flame th- out. Flame out. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was a uh, lamp of thoughts, man. They were they were quite a quite a. They're not together anymore. Quite a it? combo. No, 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 no. Like I joined Solstice, uh, Andy, and then that yeah, band. Doesn't mean can't be in two bands. I, that, that, that is true. Yeah. These are not the days when you sign a contract with Night Ranger and can't play with Ozzy Osbourne anymore, like Brad Gillis did. <laughs> he did. He's, and he's no Brad Gillis. That's why I mean, he's great, but he's the, no Brad Gillis. Um, you know, the Rudy Sarzo book I read yeah. talks about his time. It's actually a cool book. Cause well, he, he was in there with Yeah, yeah he Brad only Gillis. talks about the time with Ozzy. He doesn't talk about, like, oh, I was born a poor black child or anything like that. He just, like... Black? He, Rudy oh. Sarzo just... He wrote, Cuban, he wrote a right? book yeah. about just poor his... Poor Cuban child. Yeah. Just, just his time with Ozzy. So, like, the book starts when he's like, oh, I got this call from Sharon Osbourne. Oh, really? It's yeah. not... It's not his life what story. What about Quiet Riot? Well, oh, it's no, just about Ozzy. It's just about his time with Ozzy. A whole he, book? Yeah. It's cool, man. <laughs> wow, man. It's pretty good. And then on the last couple of pages, him and... Uh, him and Brad Gillis are on a plane ride home from like one of the last shows and they're listening to their Walkmans and stuff, you know? Yeah. And Rudy's like, hey, Brad, what are you listening to? And he's like, oh, this is, uh, this is my new band. Night Ranger. It's my new band. And he's like, oh, what, you know, Rudy, what are you listening to? That's all. This is my new band. It's called Quite Right. And oh, they, you're right. He was so, in Quite Right after. No wonder. Yeah, it was so after his Ozzy. They were listening to each other's tapes during their last couple of yeah. days with Ozzy. And then they both poof. That was it. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that because Randy was in Quiet Riot before. Yeah, exactly. Wait, Rudy Sarzo. 
He was Blizzard of Oz. Per- no, I know. Yeah, 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 I know. But then he, but then he said he was on the album too. Oh, he was on Blizzard. He's on uh, Diary of a Madman. He's on the. Oh no, no it was Bob Daisley? Yeah, Bob Daisley and Lee Chris Lake. No, no, drums. wait, no, wait, wait. Yeah, no, he didn't play on. He didn't play on. Uh, Rudy Sarzo played on one of the Ozzy Osbourne no. records. I'd he bet, didn't. He didn't. I really? bet a bagel. The whole. I'm thinking of a picture of him. Oh yeah, there's pictures of him. No, like a, a he was studio on photo or something. If I, th- I tend to think you're right, though. Yeah, it's always you think it's going to be Rudy Sarzo, but it's Bob Daisley on the damn yeah. record, or so or anyone, and it's Bob Daisley. Yeah. And Tommy Aldridge, yeah. no matter what. It is the Wait, now I'm trying to Except think when, of the when picture. Sharon put it, she had them erase no, yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah, so that lame. Fiasco. That's so lame. It's but no, but oh god, I feel like Diary of a Madman. I feel like no, no, wait. I don't know. Okay, well, this is something we need to research for next time because I feel like Bob Daisley definitely, you know, he definitely played on the first record. I'm 100% sure. He played on the, no, he played on the on Blizzard of Oz for sure, Bob Daisley. And then Rudy toured and did the TV appearances and all that crap. But then I feel like Diary of a Madman, Rudy Sarzo actually played on that record and then Bob Daisley came back for Bark at the Moon. No, because they, um, they did Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman at the same time. What? They wrote all those songs and did all No, those wrote them, yeah, but the recording? No. I'm pretty sure they wrote and recorded uh, like both albums. I don't albums think they recorded them at the same time. time. They sound utterly different. I don't. Mm. Okay, we need to do some. Yeah, we need to we do, need some, do some work. Research. Yeah, we need to do some research here. We need to get on Wikipedia and, and do what anybody can. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do well, some we'll research. Get that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but what we need to do. In the meantime, speaking of. Oh yeah, Speaking yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I've got this pretty wacky. Uh, it's called Project Driver. It's uh, um, the the name of the band is called Mars. Tony McAlpine, Tommy Aldridge, uh, Bobby Rock, and Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. They're not uh, not Bobby Rock like Bob Rock. Uh, Bobby yeah, Rock yeah, yeah, was yeah. just like a Different, it's like yeah. an eighties guitar player. Yeah, guy. yeah. He would. <laughs> I've s- I never heard that record. I've seen it though. It's pretty groovy, man. Let's I've seen people to, uh, buying it for like way back in the '90s for like you know, fifty cents or whatever it was. Now, of course, it probably goes for twenty-five bucks because yeah, everything. I think it probably goes for maybe a dollar. Retro, $2, yeah, $2, maybe, maybe nah, five. Right. Yeah, this stuff hasn't uh, <laughs> hasn't appreciated. No, much. Yeah, no, I think you could, you'd pay for a five for that, maybe. You know. Yeah, you know, this is you know, this is probably one of those records I got at that uh, one hundred and one music. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I probably paid five bucks for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. where are you gonna? You know, you can't find how many Tony McAlpine records do you see? (laughs) Not many. (laughs) No, you don't. Not many. Not many. So this is uh, it's an album's called Project Driver. This uh, came out on. um, I can't even see the. Looks like. Shrapnel Records. Oh yeah, there you go. Shrapnel Records, uh, catalog number SH dash one zero two eight. It's. Uh, I mean, it looks pretty high budget. I mean, you know, it's like a high kind of budget. A it's got to be high. Well, it's the eighties and it has Tommy Aldridge and uh, well, all those guys actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a kind of a super. Sarzo group. is on it. I mean, uh, so, somewhat of a super group ish. Wait, Sarzo is on that. Yeah, yeah, Rudy yeah, Sarzo yeah, yeah, and yeah, Tommy yeah. Aldridge. So that was a good segue from yeah. the Aussie stuff into this. Yeah, okay, yeah. so this is uh, Project Driver. Check it out.
not play Roll the Dice. We played Rage. You know. That was that the was song Rage from the, is the band name Rage? Yeah, and so is the album. Whoa, Trifecta. Wow, Rock and Roll Anybody Trifecta. Anybody out there heard of Rage, but Rock and Roll Trifecta? I heard of Rage before. They're a British band. The, the album's known, as I was saying. It's not completely occult, obscure. It's it's a 1981 British. Now that's there's a British band from 1981. You know, basically a heavy metal band. Did they ever get included in the new wave of British heavy metal? I don't think they do. I've never heard them spoken in the same sentence as as. I mean, I've as, never as, heard as, of as them. From that, from that one song, I don't think it would be. Uh... No, but from the record, there's stuff on there. that's a little more metal, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe they are considered New Wave of British Heavy Metal. I don't know. And they're 81 from England. You I know. mean, it's got several record company logos on yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Career Mirage, catalog number WTG1931-C. It's also got, um, what is this logo? They're about to get told. They're going to be the next Def Leppard, but just something went wrong. You know what I mean? Recordings Mirage Records, distributed by Atlantic. Distributed by Atlantic. Yeah, Records. it's not. I mean, yeah, it's, not it's not. It's not a totally underground thing. Or yeah, anything. I mean that's you know. I mean that album's around. You see it around. Copies of it around. You know, it's just. If you were, uh, I mean, if you were in the '80s and you had a distribution deal with Atlantic, then you were doing something, right? I guess. I don't know. Speaking of doing. Well, stuff I don't know. I've heard that in the '90s that if you had a, a distribution deal with. Uh, uh, steam uh, SPV steam hammer. You were doing something right. Well, <laughs> apparently not, because we were doing that. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're like we've made it, man. <laughs> well, maybe we went down the same path as Rage and became an obscurity. So uh, speaking of doing things right, um, we're going to move into a little bit of Q and A now. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Marino, longtime listener. Our Q and A session. Uh, remember. Yeah, Spencer's our new. Uh, um, if you don't have T and A. The next best thing is Q&A. Q &A. <laughs> Spencer's been sending us a lot of uh, content, I guess. And uh, he has a few questions this week. He says, um, the song you played from Mega Colossus was called The Mountain That Rides, which is a Game of Thrones reference. I didn't know that. Uh, I bring this up because I have a couple hundred pages left to go on the last published book. Uh, was that song randomly chosen, or do you guys have some Game of Thrones love? <laughs> Apparently not. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, I didn't know that it had a reference. I did um, watch all of that stuff, though. I mean, my girlfriend was a big fan, and uh, I watched it. It was, uh, it was entertaining for sure. I mean, it had like you know magic and dragons and knights and death and sex and drinking and midgets. I mean, you know. I, I don't know actually. I mean, I know there's a. I know about something, the midget guy, or whatever. But I don't know anything about Game of Thrones. I'm just not. I tried to watch one episode once, looking when I was at someone's house or something, and I just, it was all right. I maybe if I sat down and really tried it, but I, I I'd get into it. But I just yeah, sort of lost interest. It's all about the storyline. I lose interest in contemporary fantasy or a lot of. I mean, I never was never a fantasy guy, even though everyone thinks I am because I write about weird, you know, witches and crap and whatever. But no, I'm not a fantasy guy, really. Sci-fi guy. I, I'm I'm into it once in a while, I guess. I don't know. I mean, like I, I said, I, I was really watching it because my girlfriend wanted to watch I it. I guess I played Dungeons and Dragons a lot in high school, so everyone thinks I'm into fantasy. But I was into pulp, not fantasy. I did <laughs> I was learn. Pulpy. I did learn how to play the Game of Thrones intro theme because my yeah. uh, my bass teacher was like. 
you know, find a piece of music that is, you know, a couple of minutes long that you've never played, you know, that find the sheet music for it. You know, something that oh. you know the melody. He's like something that you know the melody for it, but you've never actually played it. So Did I you say bass teacher. Yeah, my bass teacher. You have a bass teacher. I have a bass teacher. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I haven't seen him in a long time because of the coronavirus and all that stuff. I, I didn't. I. I. I guess you know what. I think Angelo has a, had a guitar teacher for a while too, up until recently. It really helps. It. Uh, so. It helps uh, not so know. much yeah. with <laughs> like. Like super like slaufeg playing bass technique, but more just uh, learning more about like other potential things, you know, like other there was, potential things. Yeah, because there's like this weird. Um, he had me play this weird like uh, classical Jewish piece oh. from like a like a Jewish um, a synagogue service thing, and uh, I was like, you know, some of the riffs were pretty cool. And I was like, Jewish synagogue riffs. Yeah. Well, and why don't you bring them here, and we'll make like a well, like a well, that's what Jewish I told concept album, like <laughs> synagogue or something <laughs> like. That, you know. Well, have you ever thought of that before? I mean, come on, man. There's tons of stuff in there. Yeah. And he uh, sound like Fiddler on the Roof, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Apparently, we ripped them off, and uh, for for uh, the last record we did, right? Everyone said that that riff from uh, uh, Headhunter. Oh, really? I didn't remember. That is the same basic melody from the uh, filler on the roof. I it, did not. There's nothing wrong. Recognize with it. Getting I don't, some of that. Yeah. I'm down. Maybe for I it. did when I wrote it and I forgot because I was so hopped up on goofballs back then, 1991. Back in or the 90s. I wrote that 90, the golden 90s when I wrote that riff, I might have been aware that I was ripping off filler on the roof. Who's that? Oscar and I mean um, Rogers and Rogers and Hammerstein. Hammerstein? I, no, I don't, I don't think so. No. Maybe Rogers and Hart. Rogers and Hart. Yeah, Rogers and Hart. Corey Hart. No, no, it's uh, <laughs> Wayne Rogers and Corey Hart. No, um, <sighs> wait, wait, wait. Who the hell is Wayne Rogers? Now I'm getting all. Yeah, too many. Okay, anyways. who is Wayne Rogers? <laughs> so Spencer has a couple more <laughs> questions. He says, second question. He says the uh, presidential election is a little over two months away. Oh, God, oh he's getting political. God. Yeah. Uh, he wants to know what song would each candidate choose for one of their rallies. Jeez. Well, Trump already used "We're Not Going to Take It" for the last time around, which is very inappropriate. No, he's saying Slaufeg song. Like, what Slaufeg song would? Oh, okay. Would, would, <laughs> like free market barbarian or something? Uh, not really. I mean, I get it. You know, free market barbarian would be right. Trump. You know, I guess that's the closest thing there would be. What about Biden though? Biden could be um, that song called "Celebrate Diversity" that's on the first demo. You know, the the first Slaufeg <laughs> demo, of course. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, Highway Corsair. I don't know. No, no. I ca I can't think of anything. He, he could be the He's 20th dumb. century wretch. Yeah. Well, I guess that that would be Trump too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be it. He could be the 20th century. Yeah. Shadows wretch. of the Unborn, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Now, the first record has a lot of politically. Uh, uh, sound, songs that sound like it'd be about politics, like because uh, that's because it was during the Bush years, man. What are you talking about, man? No, it wasn't. Wasn't during the, the Bush Clinton, years. Clinton years, nineteen ninety six. Then what were you so pissed off about? Well, it wasn't very. Uh, is it? A, it's kind of an angry album, isn't it? About yeah. the fact that we that we uh, didn't do anything. You know? That wasn't Bill Clinton's <coughs> fault. We're going anywhere? I wasn't blaming Bill Clinton. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I was the twentieth century wretch. That was the point. <laughs> looking. What is it? 
looking, if I can remember the looking lyrics, in the mirror with the, the veins that bulge out of my head, staring at dis uh, breathing disgust as I stare in the mirror, uh, cursing the veins that pulse that bulge out of my head. And it was a very, very poetic line of being a, a frustrated grime rocker in the 90s trying to play heavy metal <laughs> on, on Hate Street in San Francisco. There's a good version of that on the YouTube, on our YouTube channel. We do have an official yes, Slapwake YouTube uh, channel. I don't know if it's a good version, but it's... I think it's a good version. It's a version. I would say that. It's a good version because the, the audio quality is there. And it uh, and it look, looks good. You sounds set us up good. in some weird studio for students to to pick and prod at us as we played our songs yeah, without we, John Cobbett. But we got videos out of it, and they look good and sound good. Yeah. Anyways, right. uh, okay. I have hair. I'll say that much. You know. There you go. That was about it. As far and as you wore your leather pants. Yeah, but I don't like how those look. They look terrible. Yeah. Well, they're sitting. You still have. I them. know. Like, they're molding they're, over there yeah, in the corner. Yeah. I don't want to wear them. You know. <laughs> so Spencer says part three of his uh, of his triad of uh, of uh, inquisitional episodes. Right, yeah. He says, lastly, yeah. in uh, episode 13, you guys are talking about shredders. Uh, he says, by the way, Nuno Betancourt was an extreme, not Paul Gilbert. What? So he, oh, he's, he's, oh. he's doing the fact checking for us, which is good. Paul Gilbert was in uh, Mr. Big or Mr. something? Mr. Big, yeah, 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 he, yeah, that's what he says. That's what uh, Spencer is saying. Paul Gilbert, uh, Spencer is doing the fact-checking for us and then letting us know. Well, so who said he was an extreme? Uh, probably me. I think that was probably you. Yeah. yeah. And then is he going to now, he's going to write in and say <laughs> Rudy Sarzo was on freaking Diary of a Madman or something? You know, I think he probably is. I don't think he is. we got to find out yeah, about Spencer, that. Spencer, if you could check that out for us and let us know. Yeah, let us know because we don't, we don't want to bother to log into Wikipedia, to go on to Wikipedia. Yeah, if you email us and let us know the answers to our questions, then we'll print it out on this piece of paper and then bring yeah, it in very, and discuss yeah, yeah, it on the podcast. We, that's how we roll down here, man. <laughs> that's how we exchange information. Yeah. But anyways, he says um, he says his favorite shredder is Zach Wild. Oh, he's yeah. not a shredder. What is he talking about? I don't know. He says um, he has a band right now called Zach Sabbath where he plays um, Black Sabbath records and Black Sabbath songs doing his own Zach Wild thing. But actually, Mike, you have a funny story about Zach Wild. No, I don't. Oh, you mean the beer that he... Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Well, now, okay, wait. Now, you, oh, man, I almost brought a Venom record down no. here. No, it would have been perfect. It would have been. Damn, we get the segue to nowhere. <laughs> Other than more Q&A, because we have to... Now we have to in order Q &A to play... Q&A to get some T&A. Well, we already... Let's, let's just rehash the 90s. Why don't you... No, that's 90s humor. Um, uh, how am I going to get out of this one? All right. Uh, Zach Wilde does Wild. not really count as a shredder, does he? I mean, Tony I, McAlpine is a shredder. Yes. Paul Gilbert, all those guys we were talking about. Right, um, right. The guy that we were talking about. Uh, you know, I don't know got, if I consider. ALS or whatever. I guess yeah. Zach Wilde could. No. Possibly. I don't I consider mean, Randy Rhodes a shredder. I don't consider. You asked me if I was a shredder. Certainly not. I'm a wanker, but not a shredder. I think Brian Randy May Rhodes is, is a shredder. No, okay. Well, now, you're, now we're talking about something totally different then, because shredders are the, the post Van Halen. Uh, starting with Ingve, right? Guys who play like that sort of classical fan picking. Remember that we got? Yeah, yeah. You know? that, that's very post Randy Rhodes. There's no, I mean, sure, you can say in a more general sense that guy's shredding. You know, yeah, you yeah. Know? But shredder, and I'm not saying there's a strict definition for shredder. There is not. But shredder guitar playing, to most people, most guitar players I know, is a is a pretty specified genre at this point. 
uh, consisting of those guys who are in the Ingve style. I mean, yes, Steve Vai and Joe Satriani can be considered shredders because they did some of that, I believe, some of that fan picking and and uh, they, you know to be a shredder, you can't play a you've got only you can't play a Gibson guitar. You've got to only play. It has to have a whammy bar, right? Jacksons and yeah, and uh, and uh, Ibanez and maybe a BC Rich, or you could play or a Charvel. Yeah, yeah. A shredder guitar. Yeah, yeah. A shredder guitar. You know, an eighty shredder. They I call agree. that for a reason. And of course, you could be like you know playing a Strat copy or something that's modified. That would be shredders do that too. With some you know, extra hot pickups or something like that. You know, Zach Wild plays a Les Paul. Ergo, no. It's not because of that. And I'm, th- I'm not saying Zach Wilde can't shred. He can't. He's not my favorite guitar player at all. But, oh, the story I have about it is just Kronos. I mean, I can't oh, really no, even ahead. say yeah. I know any Zach Wilde songs. Yeah, well, I would consider, well, Aussie songs. I know well, all of yeah, Zach Wilde. But, but, like, that's the only. Black I, Label Society? You I, don't no, know? I, I mean, I know other. <laughs> I've never actually listened to Black Label okay, Society. Okay, I'm going to do something here. I, this is no offense to Mr. Marino, who loves him. Not at all. But uh, Zach Wild solo stuff. I mean, I haven't heard that thing that he just talked about. What is it called again? It's called Zach Sabbath. Joker's Wild or something. Uh, Zach Sabbath. Well, that's you can't really judge Zach as Black Sabbath song. So you know. <laughs> but when we played a, f- a festival with you know in Germany where Zach Wild was playing and there was Black Label Society in the very early days of Black Label Society, and I mean I was not into it at all. Um, because it sounded very 90s. It was, uh, but anyway, whatever. So he was, uh, no, it wasn't Zach Wilde that we had this story. It was Kronos from Venom. And I don't even know if it's true what he said, but we were all sitting around uh, the backstage at that festival for the smaller bands was just tent camping. And then they gave us a hotel off the, you know, in, in Hamburg or wherever it was near, you know, there was a, there was a hotel uh, that the guys in my band went to it and I did not because I was so, I knew the hotel was going to be a, a shit show, right? It was just going to be like all these bands and acting crazy and, and I was insanely exhausted after, you know, a bunch of week and a half, whatever it was. A bunch of beers. Well, it's many, many days in a row without a day off in Germany. So I was like, and I was just, t- I mean, it was, it was that horrible tour that we won't get into about how no sleep and the van ride and uh, just, just, Days of basically not sleeping until you go on stage the first night, and then two hours, and it was just really awful. And so I'm in the bed. So I'm, I'm not going to the hotel. You guys are all. It's like four guys in one hotel room or something like that. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. And I brought a tent, and I set up the tent, and I passed out for you know, 15 hours or something. And the day I woke up, uh, these guys from like it was Garrett from Sacred Steel, and these guys came to my tent, like shook it or something. Like, Get out of bed, man! It's one in the afternoon. Drink some beer. Drink some. There's a name they have for it. Drink. Beer and Coca-Cola mixed, you know. Uh, good German beer with Coke is actually not that bad. No, yeah, you didn't know about that? Well, yeah, you did. You think you've tried it probably. It's, they call it like a, what, like a rocket or something or, a, or a, some weird name like that. Oh, like, man, no It's thanks. good. No, I was disgusted. I was like, no way. Here, have a beer. No. I was totally exhausted, and I felt like it was, you know, I mean, I was like, no way. And then they're like, there was some guy drinking Coca-Cola and beer in the morning just to sort of wake up, and, and I thought, that sounds terrible. But it's really good German Pilsner. Or, or it was like Beck's or something like that. But good Beck's, you know, German Beck's with the Coke tasted great. So I started drinking those. I drank them all day. And pretty soon we were sitting around out in this, you know, this tent camping area. 
next to the van we were traveling and with like a couple guys from Solstice and like Garrett from Sacred Steel and me and we're sitting around there you know, drinking Coke and beer. And Kronos, who was playing that day from Venom, comes out of nowhere, uh, just walks over to us with like, like two or three cases of German beer and just goes, you know, I don't drink anymore. I stole these from Zach Wild, and he throws them down, and gives them to us. Yeah, that was it. That was our encounter with Kronos. And like Zach Wild was on stage, I guess at the time or something, or he didn't <laughs> care or whatever it was. But that was pretty neat. Yeah. I love it. It's a great it's Kronos, story. man. So we got all this beer, you know. Yeah, we had beer a... from Kronos stolen from Zach Wild. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and we don't have any um, Venom records. No, I, I was. I, and we I don't didn't have I didn't see that any Zach Wild records. So it's really lame. Yeah. yeah. So what are we doing? So we do play some Hall and Oats or something. Next question is from okay, uh, right, Ruben right. Story, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. He, um, from Christian Mistress, right? Yeah, dude from yeah, Chris, Christian Mistress. Yeah, a guy we've played many times with. He Good says, uh, Mike influ- uh, is Mike influenced by Pepe Marcello of the Good Rats? <laughs> there is somewhat uncanny resemblance. Do now tell. There, Mr. Uncanny, is a really uh, a question that... I could talk a lot about, but I probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> you guys out there know who Pepe Marcello is? He passed away a few years ago. He had he is from Long Island, and he started making records with the Good Rats in 1968. Um, they were probably together from earlier, 66 or I don't know when. One of the best rock and roll bands from that area uh, ever, and they never had a big hit. They never made it big. But they're they're not even like an underground band because they don't have a culty they have a cult following but they don't they're like a basically a poppy sounding sort of seventies rock band. Um, yeah, I only learned about the Good Rats from you me. and John. Me and John, yeah, yeah. John John Cobbett were, was who's four years older than me. Uh, they had one regional hit in the seventies that John remembers from from radio called Tasty, which is the record I have with me today. Uh, but anyway, they said they had one sort of regional hit. They used to, you know, they, they opened up for like, I think they opened for Bowie once when he was playing in, in, in New York. And they, but they were like Twist. Okay, Twisted Sister was a sister band. Twisted Sister was a sister band of theirs. Yeah. Twisted Sister <laughs> opened for that. It was a, w- opened for them for years. Oh, I finally saw the documentary where he talks about that. He doesn't even talk about it. They just show a good rat or something. Or maybe he does talk about it. But they show a good rat's flyer. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember seeing that. And um, But he does, t- yeah, there are interviews where Dee Snyder will talk about the Good Rats, and he was on stage, stage with them, like in the through 2000s, singing some, you know, they, they sing this, they sing this, they, uh, uh, they say in one of their songs, they include uh, the name Twisted Sister, and, and they, so they were playing with Twisted, they were around long before Twisted Sister, and the interesting thing is that Pepe Marcello, who was a great singer, um, Never made it big. Never made it out of uh, Long Island as a. They played a show in England at some point. They played another show out here in California at some point. But they never really did uh, anything. They were always a local Long Island band until the day he died. This is the great thing about it. Okay, I, I felt some serious, uh, what's the word for it, Com- comradeship or camaraderie with this guy. I never met him. Empathy. Uh, what? Empathy. Empathy. Yeah, because he did what things that I had joked about doing. You know. The band put out their first album in 1968. They made albums all through the 70s. They made several in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And before he died, he died about maybe four or five years ago. Um, 
everybody from the original band, some of whom joined Twisted Sister and some of Dee Snyder's other projects and some who had been in Kiss and all that eventually, other early formations of Kiss, you know, uh, all the guys and his brother, Nicky Marcello, was always uh, the other guitar player in Good Rats until finally, you know, in the 80s or 90s, they just kind of broke up. But Pepe Marcello kept doing the Good Rats and he got his son and his nephews to play. <laughs> and they continued to, to, to be a local band. They played that whole circuit that you see in that Twisted Sister movie, yeah, the I Long Island circuit that they kept doing. The Good Rats, who'd been around long before Twisted Sister, almost 10 years before them, and in fact, a good ten years before they him, were actually, still doing kept the doing that circuit, circuit until he like till he died, till he died, oh, till he was in like his seventies or late sixties or something in the in the two thousands with and his he, son and his nephews and stuff. Yeah, and you know what? Check out the Good Rats website because last I looked, they were still doing it after he died. His son took over on vocals, and they're isn't nice. that awesome? Oh no, it's great. Like I was like, I thought about that. Like someday when I die, maybe my nephew or someone like that can continue Slowfag and keep going for all eternity. You know. I don't think my nephew wants to, but still. I mean, that's yeah. what uh, that's what Guar is doing. Oh, okay. Because okay, homeboy, yeah. fr- homeboy, yeah, 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 several. Yeah. Well, the guitar, one of the guitar players died a couple of years ago. Well, and they, Dave uh, and they Brocky got an, died. Yeah, Dave yeah, Brocky yeah, died yeah. a couple of years ago too. And you know, they just they 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 didn't get new people. They got uh, people within their organization oh, okay. to step up and put really? on different costumes. What about Paul Willis, Paul Crow, did he do it? Yeah, I he know. played with. Remember, yeah, I mean, he'd be a, he'd be a, he I played in Gua. He, he played one he show. He put on the big jobber jaw thing, and he oh, just that's did, cool because they know him from way back, you know. And he, yeah, he did it. He played a show with him. Yeah, I wonder what that but, guy's up to. You ever heard? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't. I he's he's still in Albuquerque. I think he's in New. Yeah, I think he's in New Mexico. Yeah, but um, anyway, the Good Rats. Anyway, they stayed together forever, but uh. I must admit, I've discovered their first album uh, in 2003 or so, or one or something. We're not going to play the song Tasty, no, but Injun Joe probably. But the one that, yeah. But anyway, so I discovered this record. I was staying in my friend's house in Pittsburgh, PA, and he was gone during the day working or doing I don't know what. And I was like 30, 33, something like that. I was sitting, or no, tw- whatever, it doesn't matter. I was in my 20s. I was sitting around his house drinking beer and doing nothing all day. Well, he was at work or something. I was visiting. And uh, I found these old scratched up records that someone who had lived there before, because it was like a rental house, and you know, that someone who had lived there left all these records. And I found this album called The Good Rats. I put it on. It was totally scratched up, but it sounded totally awesome. I was like, this singer is insane. This band's insane. And I discovered some of their albums in like $1 bins, like the one you're holding, Tasty, right there. And then Rat City in Blue. Uh, a bun- uh, what's the other one? Uh, Rats to Riches. They're all these silly kind of you know '70s things, you know. <laughs> and they're uh, they're an incredible band. And anybody from that Long Island scene, including Billy Joel and all these you know Twisted Sister, all these famous people, talk about what was the Long Island scene. And they always mention the Good Rats because they were huge in Long Island, but they never made it Anywhere outside. Else, of it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I don't know. I, I think Marcello there was kind of a shit talker. He kind of he kind of put people in their place. And I don't know if the record industry likes that. He has a lot of songs about how fucked the record industry was oh, really? in the 70s. Like, really blatant ones. Like, fuck you. You know, you're, you're like, pretty harsh stuff. And um, So there's Rat City Records. Is this their own label? Yeah, they had their own label. Wow. Yeah, but it's, they sound, they don't sound like a cult band at all. They sound like, you know, a f- total pop, like, rock band in the 70s. I think, so, yeah, I was influenced by him uh, because I think the thing is that, well, I can't really say, but I, I, I've sort of 
stretching for the he has a higher voice and a better voice than I do but I was always sort of stretching for those high notes like he doesn't have that vibrato so yeah he's definitely an influence no question about it Ruben Um, in a weird way totally different style of music but yeah this is called Injun Joe Injun Joe by the Good Rats 1974 on the Tasty album
was uh, Ruben's story from uh, Olympia, Washington. He used to play in Christian Mistress, and he's uh, putting out music on his own. And maybe still does, right? I don't know. And probably still does. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. One of his bands is called Studs, and he sent a J card with a cassette. That was on a cassette that he sent um, with a uh, hand-drawn um, J card. I don't know how to pronounce the name of the band. Ronoxit? Y-R-O-N-O-X-I-T. Ronoxit? I think that's the name, how you pronounce it. I, but, I don't know. Um, yeah, pretty cool dude. If you uh, get a chance to find him online, make sure you give him, a, give him a follow or a like or whatever it is they do on the line these days. Um, We're going to play another um, tune now from... Uh, Super underground. This guy, um, it's a band called Black Sword Thunder Attack. Wait, what? Black Sword Thunder Attack. That's the name of the band? That's the name of the band. That's um, pretty interesting. What, where did you... Uh, yeah, I picked this up. This guy, uh, this guy is Stelios from Greece. The second time we went to Greece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were... Um, the shows were pretty cool. Everything was great. And I, s- I ended up staying in Greece like an extra oh, that's right. like that's right. three weeks or whatever. That was the Cyprus when we were down in Cyprus. Uh, yeah, I think so. And you yeah. went back to Greece? I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. I went back to Greece and I had yeah, yeah. Uh, crazy adventures. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. actually, uh, and this was the previous version of that where we only we only version. played like I think one night because we've been to Greece three times, right? No, we've been there twice. You've only been there twice? <laughs> I know. I get confused too. We've only been there twice. First the, time. First time was with the Iron Sword. Yeah, and we yeah, and the second time was Thessaloniki, uh, uh, Athens, and Cyprus. That was it. And that wait, was it. oh no, maybe you're right. Maybe we were there again. Wait, wait, where? What? No, no, that's it. 
That was it. Next time it got canceled. It was recently. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> um, so this dude is a, a big Slavic fan, and he told me that he he lived in a region. He was a taxi cab driver, and he lived in a in a region called uh, Meteora, which is like um, uh, like their their Yosemite National Park area and he was right, a cab yeah. driver and they had all these oh i remember now he's a cab driver who, and he had yeah, all yeah, these yeah. uh they have all these different monasteries from uh from way like centuries old monasteries perched on the top of these rock formations Am- amazing stuff and this dude took me all around uh town he got me a is that when he to took stay. you around and you tried like you tried to break into the uh embassy or something and you got in all trouble no no that was on my own i was <laughs> just by myself <laughs> That was when I was just by myself. And you came back to the hotel late, and I was down the street, <laughs> and you couldn't get in. You had to like yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was. I was down the hotel, <laughs> down the street with Greg Barsamas with his shirt on, off, right. laying on top yeah, of the bar. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the Texas bar. Hey, you know what I heard? Um, what uh, I used to go out with this girl who was who this who was half Greek, right? You met her. Her name is Julia. Remember her? Tall, lanky girl from New York. Vaguely. Anyway, well, yeah, maybe you don't. But uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. She said, I was telling her about that. And uh, she said, oh, you don't you think it's weird? This guy was sitting around in bars with his shirt off, just like all like draped over the bars. He goes, the Greek guys do that all the time. They take their shirts off in bars a lot and just all sit there like, you know. Because it's hot. The cradle of civilization. Well, yeah, I guess it's a traditional thing that they do. Well, it's, it's really hot. Yeah, but also they, we thought that was funny that he was doing that all the time. Apparently that's a, that's a traditional Greek male thing to do is – you know, go to a bar and you know you start getting a little, uh, you know, get a little loose. He's take take just take it off, man. <laughs> just you know, just go. Off. You know, go for it. This was the trip when I rode from, I rode the bicycle from the Meteora to the coast, and I went on some ferry boat to some islands, and I rode down like the west coast on a bicycle. But anyways, this dude Stelios um, gave me his band's CD. And um, it's pretty cool. It's it's very uh, it's very raw. This is Greek uh, metal is very raw. Very I raw. really like that. It's not like German metal can be raw, but it can also be slick. I've never heard. I don't think I've ever heard any slick Greek metal. Right. Play, we play the cassettes of the Greek metal. It's all really raw and tough and yeah, very manly. Totally very. Yeah. So this is uh, this is a selection um, called the Archangel. <laughs> manly.
That was uh, Witchcraft. Yeah, I remember that song. I had that record somewhere. And I, uh, They're from Sweden, right? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> They're from Sweden. Uh, that was. We're not exactly um, on the up and up with. The, with from a record called The Alchemist. Came oh, out. That's the one I had. Came out in 2007. Yeah, that was a made a big splash. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. That was. And it's uh, good. I mean, yeah. No I like all the songs on it. That was a song called Remembered. Came out on Rise Above Records in 2007. I like that stuff. I don't. I don't even know if they're still around and stuff. You know, I yeah. had like you do, like a CDR or, or maybe I was listening to it on YouTube. I don't know. What, I don't know if I actually have the record. I don't think I do. 
But uh, I, I dug it for sure. Yeah. Hey, Spencer, I remember that came let out. It was a know? big splash when that came out. It was like, Spencer, witchcraft. can you let us know witchcraft is still around and what they're doing these days? I think oh, no. you could also find that out on Wikipedia. <laughs> we don't want to go on Wikipedia. No, we're lo-fi here. Lo-fi. We're lo-fi. Yeah, we're yeah, we're so low-tech low here. We don't want to know about that. Can you can you mail us a letter to the PO box that tells us what Richcraft is right. doing these yeah. days? That's it. That's what you should do. Yeah. Only typewritten or word processor is okay. You know, but, but machine um, typewriters are making a comeback. Manual typewriters. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 I know a chick who does poetry on a manual type. Oh yeah, 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 poetry. Yeah, no, I think I think they do because I was thinking about, I was trying to write something recently, not like a you know not any kind of formal document or, or teaching stuff or whatever, just or you know just like a creative writing, you know, like a story on uh, on my computer, and I noticed that you can't sit there for that long. I mean, I'm, some people could obviously, but it's hard to sit there and focus when you have, like, on the same screen, you have, like, oh, I could go on my email now, or I could go check this. Exactly, or I could go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I could go look up this word because blah, 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 blah. You know, while even in the writing process that you're that you're doing, you know, um, there's so many distractions. Yeah, and you're like, what rhymes with scumbag? Hmm, let me look yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. You know? so, so, you know, if you're on a typewriter, I mean, it doesn't have to be a manual typewriter. You could be an IBM Selectric, you know. I actually uh, wrote the lyrics for The uh, Hands Smith of Goro. On a manual typewriter because uh, this girl, uh, she shares a studio with Maureen. Uh, her name is uh, Sylvie. Her website is thepoetrystore.com. She does. Um, That's the poetry chick who does the. Yeah, she does. She does Sylvie? She, yeah, Sylvie. But she like the and Sylvia she, Plath of the next, yeah, of the 2000s she takes, or something? She has <laughs> I hope little, not for her sake. She has sake. a little table and she yeah. takes her, her typewriter with her and she's got all this like vintage paper. And and she vintage writes, paper. Yeah, she's like old old paper with like borders Parchment and stuff. Do like, yeah. you use like carbons and make like you know? Yeah, she does. She does. She does use carbons. That's awesome. So, so she that, has there's copies. There's your digital. There's your analog totally. Avenger right there. And uh, but I wrote some of the Hands of Goro lyrics on one of her typewriters. Um, just one day they were having an event and she like took a break or something and I saw it and I put a piece of paper in and I sat down and I went pa 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 and I literally pounded out like eighty percent of two songs. Just, you just making them up on the spot. Well, no. I mean, I already had I had been singing the songs yeah. for uh, you know months, but I had I didn't have the lyrics. You're making up so Moon and June lyrics. In yeah, your mind yeah, going exactly. Like, I'm gonna go insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, and then but I sat down and behind her typewriter and yeah. I just went hmm and I went pat 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 and wow. I literally like I got like most that of two songs like bam percussive rhythm that you. I mean, if you want to get into like you know spontaneous beat, you know, you know. Uh, jazz prosody, or you know the the Kerouac, uh, oh yeah, Ginsburg. You know the idea of like sitting down and doing almost like athletic, you know, writing. Like you sit, you go out and you go crazy in the city and and get get nuts, and then you you go back to your mom's house and uh, take a benzedrine inhaler and throw it in the coffee. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you, oh yeah. You get all Benzos. you get all wazzed out like those guys did. Big like bottle Kerouac of port particularly wine. did what? Big bottle of port wine. Well, that's what Kerouac did, yeah, yeah, and and then sit there for uh, thirty hours straight and write out the entire affair you just had, or the entire you know experience with these guys running around or traveling across the country or whatever it was. Do it all at once. That was his thing. Binge writing. You know, don't revise it. Yeah, binge writing. Yeah, yeah. He would sit down and just get a teletype paper, like uh, you know, like like. Uh, a continuous roll. Mm -hmm. I know everyone knows yeah. this already. It's totally uh, trite what I'm saying, but sit down there and go. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah, it's hard to imagine doing that on a computer. 
You could. Well, you could. Obviously, but it you could. Be the same. But uh, that's sort of like um, you wouldn't have. You, the whole point is not to be distracted. Then to sit down and 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 do it one long. You know, it was supposed to be like jazz improvisation, right? So you sit down and you do it. You write in this style in one long span of as many hours as it takes to get in that all that experience you just had. Uh, and that's why you, you want the teletype paper so you don't break up right. your your narrative, your your thought process. You just do just sometimes even like you know you have like. A, a sentence that would last two pages or whatever. He's just all just spitting it out, diarrhea of the of the mind, you know. <laughs> you know? So yeah, doing that on a it would be cool to do that on a manual typewriter. But again, if you did that now, it certainly is uh, um, cliche and and passe and. But and it works, man. You know, there's a reason well, for why your it's own diary back. or something. It works. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it wouldn't get no one. It wouldn't be anything new. Obviously, there people were doing that in the fifties. But but, it, but it'd be yeah. worth bringing. Like I think. You know, it'd be worth bringing in an old typewriter and maybe sitting, setting one up here and put it on top of the Marshall and then just like <laughs> pound out some paragraphs. Well, I don't know about it in here. I would, I would do it. Because there's no computer in here. Yeah. There's no keyboard. Right. No. You know, I would do it in, well, there's that organ over there, but no, I, I would not. do, I would do it wherever I did it. If I was to write that way, I'd do it because I would think that when you change, the, the format, instrument yeah. that you're writing on, then it would change the obviously it would change the content of the writing. Yeah. Now, if it's not on a computer, also there's certain uh, there's certain um, restrictions then. Yeah. On what you're able to do with it, cut and you can't cut and paste, can't do this, can't do that. And it's and tactile. Yeah, no, it's totally tactile. So that I like that because I see I hate big keyboard. Time. I hate like laptop keyboards and stuff. I like those big old like like uh, Mac two keyboards over there. Those giant. The keys are way more like um, robust. Way more action, high action, robust. Yeah, they're like <laughs> chun 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 chun. You know, you guys sit and really hammer it out. And um, on a, obviously well, on a well, manual yeah, typewriter, you got typewriter, that. Yeah, you can totally. Bam, bam, and bam, it would bam, it just bam. the fact that, but this to me, it's the fact that you're not staring at the computer screen. That obviously does something to you. You get screen fatigue now. As we're talking about working at home and all that shit, you know. So you'd be sitting in front of that typewriter, and you wouldn't have. Whether it's imposed by your own perception of what's going on in that experience or not, you're you know you're you're not facing a computer screen with everything that computer screen does a lot. It, uh, it you're thinking in a certain mode because you're in front light. of your computer. For me, it's the light. The light, yeah, that's some of it too. The yeah. light. I think it's some of it's physical, physical, and some of it's fiscal, and some of it's and some of it's uh, uh, conceptual. The idea that you're sitting in front of your computer. Where you sat and did all your work, and then you did Zoom, and then you did and your emails, YouTube. your business, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Like you want to get your mind into a different place, yeah. get a manual typewriter, and and go for it. Anyway, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so if anybody out there wants to find us a manual typewriter, send it to PO Box yeah. Lord Word Slavic, PO Box one nine one three zero one, San Francisco, California. Yeah, send it to the PO Box nine four one one nine. I would mess around with a manual typewriter if I had one. I mean, you can get an electric one, but what's the point? That's almost like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun to get a manual manual one. one. I used to have one. In fact, when I first went to college in 1988, I used a manual typewriter to write my papers. Yeah, probably horrible mistakes all over because I'm a terrible typist as it is, you know, but imagine on a manual typewriter. But then we can can photocopy it. it. And put it yeah. in the lyric sheet for the next record. Oh, I don't have it. Typos and everything. Oh, no, like that? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. You know what I we mean? We should do that. Typos yeah. and everything. Yeah. Just be like, bam. Here's the lyric Spontaneous sheet. Spontaneous beat, beat prosody. Yeah, there you go. Um, All right, so now we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to flashback. Take, get in the Wayback Machine and uh, flashback to what? The Cream Machine. 2004. The Cream Machine. 2004, 2005. We were doing the uh, uh, Hardwolder 
Um, Wait, what song is this? What song? Oh, it's Frankfurt Hahn Airport Blue. Okay, okay, yeah. So that and that's gonna be it. Yeah, unless you want to listen to one, another one of these demos. There's two. There's I actually, do whatever you want, but no, that's it for us talking, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll send you out with a. De- so I don't remember this at all. I don't. I mean, I don't remember what it sounds like. I I know uh, that we it's, did it's it. It's pretty cool. It's it's nice and raw. I guess we'll find um, out. We in 2005 we made these demos. It doesn't say what month. It just says oh, it says summer 2005. That was 15 years ago. Wait Mike. a second. Is that with Ruben? I believe so. Antoine Ruben Diavola on drums. Yeah. I believe the so. Piccolo snare. And, wow. Um, but it was the previous year where we had the Back episode. In the, the summer of 2005. It had an episode. What? The episode where we got stuck at Frankfurt Hahn. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it was so. the previous year with Greg. That's right. Where we got stuck in Frankfurt Hahn. 2003. Yeah, yeah. Whichever year that was, I don't. I don't know. Then I think it was two. No, I think it was 2005. Was it 2005? Yes. The last uh, European shows with Greg were 2005. And then Hardworlder was what year? 2007, wasn't it? I don't know. So this is probably done in 2006. It says, 2000, it says summer 2005 written on wow. the Wow. Okay. And it has, um, it has most of the Hardworlder song. What? And uh, Frank. I don't Hahn. think that's possible. It's got Poison Treasures on it. It's got Tiger Tiger with 2000, no When did you write 2005 on that? I don't okay, know. we'll have to do some research on this because in, in my in my memory, 2005 was the year that uh, uh, Atavism came out. Well, Atavism came out, and we were already writing Hardworlder. Mm. Ruben says, wasn't in the band 2005. It says summer 2005 on the CD. It's got. Hardworlder song. It's got Frankfurt Hahn. It's got Tiger Tiger, no vocals. Poison Treasure, no vocals. It's got a new riff that we never recorded. Okay, I'll have to. Uh, it's got Sha La La, no vocals. Oh, wait, maybe, yeah, maybe we did that with Greg. Uh, some of it's that It's got stuff. Blending In, no vocals. Yeah, okay, maybe we did Maybe we did Frankfurt Hahn with Greg, yeah. And it's got some weird some weird riffs we never recorded. That, okay, okay. That we'll never see the light so of day to any humanity. It. I think it probably has Greg on it. Uh, Ruben wasn't around in 2005. 2000, really? I don't no, know. No, 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 no. What year did Greg leave? I don't know. To the end of 2005. Is that November? Oh, it was, yeah. That okay, brutal right tour before, before Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Very good. Okay. Yeah, so we got stuck at Frankfurt Hahn Airport for like two days. We were no, tra- no, no, no. It was 24 okay. hours. Very long time. Lying on the linoleum floor because those little easy jet uh, European, you know, like Aer Lingus, and there's all those different ones like that, uh, those little commuter flights. Um, they, the flight they, got canceled. Yeah, it got delayed. We, it got delayed. It got delayed. Yeah, it delayed. Yeah. Like hours and we and laid delays. on the floor on the little. It's like a bus depot in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was in. Yeah. Frankfurt Hans, a, a small commuter. We we're going to London. It was a. For, it's a former army base. Okay. And it got. You've done your Frankfurt Hahn uh, research, I guess. No, I, I feel like we've talked about this on this before. I don't know. Really? It was when we had to walk across the mud. Yes, yeah. we did have a lot. We lay like there with that rocker guy who's been to every show that ever happened in Europe since 1981 or whatever. <laughs> that English guy, and he's the one who said we were lying there for about 10 hours at that point, and we had not slept at all anyway before that, and we're lying on the floor and the guy on the on the hard floor, hard worlder, hard world floor. And he turns on and goes, "You sure don't want you to get your guitar out and write Frankfurt Hahn Airport Blues?" You know, he said that lying next to me on the floor as all these kids that were at the festival came walking. Keep it true. Yeah, came walking out uh, on their uh, to get their planes or whatever it was, and they see us lying on the ground, 
And that's when the guy, and I, 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 if I'd said this on this show before, I'm sorry. Rich Walker was there next to us. This kid, this Italian kid, came up and like kicked me in my sleeping bag. He didn't kick me, but he, he said, hey, and he grabbed me. And I'm on the ground, half asleep. Oh, I didn't go to sleep. And he goes, can you sign my CD? <laughs> <laughs> You're lying on the floor like a bum in the goddamn in airport. airport. <laughs> he comes and asks me to sign his CD. So I did. Good, good, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was cleaning out the garage the other day, and I was looking through some heavy boxes underneath some Christmas decorations heavy and stuff, boxes. you know. And uh, and I found this CD. Like I said, it says summer two thousand and five right on it. This is uh, Frankfurt Hahn uh, Airport Blues, and then uh, maybe we'll play some of that hard roller stuff too. It sounds cool. It's pretty raw. But uh, this has been uh, episode fourteen, season one of Slaughterfeg Radio. Um. Oh, uh, today is Monday, August 17th. Yes. Recording date, just for record keeping, so that we know when we did this. And um, we'll hopefully be doing something real soon. We got uh, several things we're trying to work on during the COVID downtime, but we hope that uh, maybe this time next year, maybe we can all be out and about and playing shows again. But in the meantime, uh, stay safe and uh, buy a ma- wear a mask, please, and uh, do your civic duty when it comes to voting. You don't don't be a renegade. <laughs> don't don't be a rebel. <laughs>